to another edition of the Unicorns podcast. This is a podcast series featuring business leaders, motivators, innovators, and general go-getters. Well, joining me today on the Unicorns podcast is Joe DeMace. Joe is the CEO of ASX-listed company 5G Networks. Joe DeMace, welcome to the program. Thank you very much. 5G Networks is on the ASX. It's a publicly traded company. How long have you been with the business for? Uh, yeah, so I um, I started the business uh, in, in early 2017, and we actually listed on the ASX in November 17, and we acquired a a small managed service provider in uh, in Melbourne on listing, and um, and really kicked it off that way. So, I've been in the um, the telco sector for uh, probably twenty years. Uh, did a, a number of other telco listings in the past. So, Yui Kong back in in two thousand uh, was a fibre company who rolled out fibre in uh, in Australia when the market was just first deregulated, and then uh, another telco listing in two thousand and four. A company called Access Providers. We provided a last mile wireless broadband solution, sort of one of the one of the first in the markets uh, in that space. So you'd been um, working in public companies before, prior to this. Yeah, that's right. I think sort of the last, probably the last seven years before getting back into the telco sector, uh, I was doing a bit of work with uh, private equity pre pre IPO and and. Um, just doing some capital raising uh, and just understanding different businesses in different sectors. Um, I guess just familiarising myself with that that part of the um, you know the communications to the market and and what what really interests the investor. So that was you know it was pretty valuable. But uh, I caught up with an ex colleague from UECOM and um, you know we sort of we could see where the NBM was going and what they were gonna, how much they were going to roll out. But we could also see this convergence of cloud and managed IT services all coming into into one solution. Corpus just want one solution for their IT needs, and uh, so we so decided to get back into the sector and um, and uh, and have another go. Mm, and, t- and and obviously take it public. Yeah, that's right. Yes. And so, what is it? How, I mean, how do you describe what it is that five G networks actually does? What's what's the specialty? Yeah, sure. So I guess we're, it's it's um, obviously a large market. Um, the telco sector or cloud sector in Australia, dominated predominantly by Telstra, um, we're a I guess a, a boutique provider. We we target the mid market corporates, so sort of you know fifty to two thousand seats. Uh, we do have some enterprise clients. We do have some government clients, uh, but we and we've also got some sort of wholesale other carriers or or other MSPs in the sector. We provide services to so um, look where we've got 200 staff around Australia, um, 12 offices, so we can you know cover and service some of these corporate clients through throughout Australia, um, and then really our core products uh, we've got a fibre network we've rolled out uh, in Melbourne and Sydney, and we're now connecting up at 80 data centres across Australia, so that's that's quite exciting. Uh, we've got two data centres of our own in in Sydney. We've got one in Melbourne. We lease some space in um, in Adelaide, and we've also got our own private cloud solution, which we replicate in uh, in each of those states as well across um, Sydney, Melbourne, and Adelaide. So, you know, that sort of coupled with the the two hundred odd staff, you know, ninety of those are um, what we call warm bodies. Are sort of the technical 
nature. So they go on site and fix customer services. Um, yep. So look, it's it's probably a one stop shop for for all of that, really. Well, I was going to say, would you describe it as a is it a telco business, a cloud business, an IT business? It's a little bit of everything. It's all coupled that into one. You know, I mean, if I'm a if I'm a corporate. Um, and I decide to move to the cloud, then I really want someone to, I usually, c- corporates at the moment, there's, there's probably about 70% of the market is still, uh, on, corporates are operating on-premise. So they've got their own server on-premise. They might have their own one or two IT guys. We sort of see, we're starting to see this shift to cloud, uh, especially since COVID. So they basically, yeah. those corporates are sitting there saying, you know, I want someone to do all my IT support. I want someone to manage the cloud infrastructure I want to buy a networks connection that's super fast. Um, and, you know, I just want to get rid of that. It's not core business to me to be able to do the IT. It's a critical component of our business. Um, so we want to, you know, a, a solid organisation that can support us uh, and make sure that they've, you know, got all their IT needs, which we get covered, which we do. So then assessing everything it is that 5G does, what would you say your competitive advantage is as a business? Oh, look, I think it's being able to bundle all those, um, bundle in all those solutions to uh, to a customer and provide them with that. I think also we've got a real um, strong layer of, of depth of, of expertise across the business. So, you know, you might send a, I guess, a, a, a junior tech out on site who's, you know, trying to solve a problem for a customer. He can then ring back to our, our core network or our core um, cloud guys and, and and escalate a problem um you know so it, it's that, that depth of knowledge across the business you know we're running some pretty um some pretty critical infrastructure for um you know some large corporate and uh, and government clients so you know we've got special specialists in you know different areas might be database might be citrix you know might be windows might be aws cloud or or whatever it is so we've got expertise in all those different areas. So we can really leverage that and, and resolve clients' problems quickly. So who typically are your customers? Yeah, sure. So I guess some of the uh, the more well-known ones are um, uh, Event, who own the hotel and, and cinema chain, um, you know, Jetstar. Uh, we do some work for Fairfax. Probably the, uh, the one that gets, um, you know, uh, has issues more than anything is probably McDonald's. So they run campaigns on their cloud environment and they obviously get attacked um, from denial of services uh, quite often. So, you know, it's um it's a it's a large uh, a large customer base. There's some some high-end ASX customers there that I've mentioned, but there's also another, you know, two and a half thousand mid-market corporates around Australia that are, you know, manufacturing or education, uh, retail. Um, so you know we do a fair bit in the uh, in the media space. Uh, so there's a number of media providers who you know want to store on the cloud and need high speed um, high speed links. And so who um, who are you up against um, competition wise? If you're potentially tendering for some work, you know you you would come up against you know some opposition. Who's 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 in the same um, pool with you guys when it comes to providing services for for clients? Yeah, I mean, I guess it's in different markets, right? So in that sort of high-end managed services, you know, there's there's Data Three, um, probably over the wire. Uh, in other in, in in other services, 
you know, we might be competing against another another telco for for network type services. We don't. Um, I guess our strategy through our acquisitions has been to bolt on a, a, a new customer base and then try and sell them the uh, the breadth of services that we provide. So it's more of an upsell cross sell model than trying to go out there and win new business. I think, you know, certainly with our clients, they're they're pretty sticky when it comes to you know buying services. Um, from a provider, they've got a relationship. It's it's complex. Uh, it, you know, there's a lot of security issues. So, you know, people don't usually, organisations don't usually chop and change um, their providers very often. So we've found that it's okay. the, yep. the easiest way to get growth is, you know, is through that acquisition path. And stay good at what you're doing. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it's about providing good customer service, um, you know, being responsive, and um, you know, resolving their issues quickly, right? I mean, if we're doing our job properly, they shouldn't be uh, they shouldn't be calling us at all. <laughs> That's right. Now, five G has been in the news lately regarding the transaction uh, that's been on the ASX. Um, can yeah. you tell us about the proposed acquisition of Web Central? Yeah, sure. So, um, so we were we've been digi- doing due diligence on. Um, on the Web Central business since sort of February uh, February this year, um, we I guess sort of were waiting. We've put a number of offers in um, to the banks and to the company throughout that period. A company called Web.com, which is a large domain provider out of the US, backed by private equity. There, I think their market cap sort of 1.1 billion. Uh, put an offer on the table to um, to Web Central under a scheme arrangement where they need to get. 75% of uh, shareholders to vote in favour. Um, mm-hmm. So we really like this business. It's very core to what we do. Certainly the domains, we understand how that business operates. We do a small part of that ourselves. They do a lot of email hosting. They do a lot of cloud hosting. So they're all sort of core uh, core products of ours. We can leverage our infrastructure and excess capacity we have for those products. The digital marketing is probably a little bit of uh, left of centre, but it you know represents sort of twelve to thirteen percent of their revenue. So um, you know we'll work through what we do with with that business. So so basically, what what we did to I guess um, yeah uh, get get uh, our foot on this transaction was to by acquiring sort of ten or eleven percent of the company, um, we. You know, we advised the board that we would vote against the scheme that Web, Web.com had put through. There was a couple of other um, organisations who had taken uh, some small blocks of stake in Web Central as well, and they also sort of said that they weren't going to vote in favour of the scheme. Um, so basically the the, uh, the board, um, you know, uh, voted down the scheme and, and, and went with our offer. So, look, we're still not, um, we're still not done. We've had... Um, our, our offer's been open uh, since the 20th of, of September. Mm-hmm. The, the board put through their target statement and recommended our bid uh, on the 1st of October. Uh, that offer is open till the, till the 20th of October. And we need to get uh, 50.1% of the, um, the existing shareholders to take up that offer. So certainly not done, um, but and obviously someone could still come in over the top and acquire the... Um, or make a higher offer for the uh, for the business, but um, you know we're sort of quietly confident. What makes this business a little bit more complex? They've got a, a large uh, debt facility with um, the ANZ and the NAB of uh, about forty forty seven and a half million dollars. So 
we've got that uh, we've got that cash and we will pay lend that money to Web Central so they can clear out their debts. And I think that's been a real um, it's really been holding the business back uh, from growth and having clear direction as having the uh, the debt hanging over its over its head. So so we'll uh, lend them the money. Uh, they'll pay that debt out. Uh, we'll try to get to you know ninety percent of the uh, of the stock over time. Uh, and then we'll be able to compulsory acquire the whole business. Uh, but okay. if we can't get there, um, you know, that's okay as well because we think we can still recognise uh, a whole lot of, I guess, savings for Web Central, but also new business for 5G in the sense that we can provide them the cloud solutions at competitive prices to what they're paying at the moment. Um, so there's some other services that we can provide that, you know, that that um, that they might want to, you know, get out of. So there's... There's a number of synergies for both organisations, even if we don't get uh, 100%. But um, look, we're, we're pretty excited. There's not these opportunities and these uh, types of businesses don't come along very often. Yes. Um, you know, where you can bolt on sort of 55 million of revenue, you know, to our existing sort of 50, 60 million dollar business today. So I think it's it's probably fair to say that 5G has a successful track record when it comes to acquisitions. Um, so, so why then, in your view, is this transaction in the best interests of both shareholders and employees? Yeah, sure. So, look, we've done uh, we've done over eight acquisitions over the last since we listed in November seventeen. Um, some of those acquisitions have been of of large uh, employee bases. So, the Anatel Hostworks acquisition, we went from you know thirty staff at five G. At 5GN to you know 200 staff, so we sort of we integrated 170 staff across Australia, which was which was quite complex, and um, you know took us a little while to do that. The other acquisitions we've done have been more data centers, so not a lot of uh, not a lot of employees. So I think we've built a really good culture at 5G. We've got some clear values around our business and what we stand for. Uh, we've got a strong executive, but also what's more important than that, we've got a, a strong leadership team that sits below. Uh, those executive, those that executive team as well. So, um, you know, we, we've built some great foundations, and we've been able to integrate those businesses and and really change the culture. I mean, the certainly the Hostworks Entertel business we bought, it had been bought and sold a couple of times. There was a bit of um, you know not a lot of love shown for those businesses. Um, so, you know, some of the staff were a bit disillusioned. So, you know, we we feel that you know Web Central is a little bit in that box as well. They haven't been able to do anything. Uh, because of this debt hanging over their head. Um, and we just want to provide them with a clear direction, simplify their business model, um, and, and we think there's real value for, for both businesses. Um, look, certainly, you know, if web.com had have, had have acquired Web Central, you know, there's good potential that a lot of that, um, a lot of those, those, those employment roles would have gone, um, you know, back to the US and consolidated back into, you know, the, the, their other businesses they've got around the world. So... I think it's about keeping, certainly in these times, keeping Australian jobs on Australian shores. There's some fantastic brands there, you know, Melbourne IT, Net Registry, uh, WME. So some really some well-known Australian brands there that we want to, yep. um, you know, keep in Australian shareholder hands. Well, you mentioned the C word there, culture, company culture. Uh, how yeah. would you descri- How would you describe the culture that operates uh, within 5G? Yeah, look, I think we've got um, we've got some key values that um, that we communicate to our staff. Um, we certainly spend a fair bit of time on on training and building up that those those next layers of leaders under our business. 
Um, we have a a psychologist who works in our business three days a week. He's going to go to five days a week with the um, onboarding of Web Central. I mean, a lot of uh, a lot of you know, it's hard to get the people the people issues right and and get people uh, uh, you know all working in the same direction. You know, my role is really to make sure that they've got clear direction and there's clear leadership. And we've got a clear, you know, there's clear objectives of what it is that the, the business is trying to achieve and where we're going. And and certainly Steve, our psychologist, works with myself, works with the executive team, works with our team leaders. You know, we just ran some workshops the other day around, you know, customer experience. So we're getting getting those groups together. We're getting our staff to have, um, you know, have a say in the business and help set the direction of the, of the company. So they feel, you know, that they're really a part of, you know this business, and it's and it's um you know they've got a real say. Um, all the executive team uh, do a number of one-on-one uh, calls out to you know all staff across the business at different levels to just you know have a catch up and um, get feedback on how on where what we're how we're performing on um, you know if they've got any questions that they you know might be too too afraid to ask in a larger environment. So you know it's um. It's a you know it's it's certainly we put a lot of time and effort into the the culture and communication and and our staff because uh, it's you know it's it's super important if they're happy then you know they're doing a um you know then their customers are going to be happy so it's yeah. uh, it's a critical component. So being CEO of a publicly listed company that that is not yeah. an easy job. The the spotlight is forever on you. Um, tell us about the sorts of things you do on a daily basis? What, what are the things that keep you busy? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's, um, I guess we break it out into, um, into a number of, a number of different areas. Yeah, look, probably 25% of my time is, um, you know, is talking to the market, updating the market, trying to get our message of what it is that we're, that we're doing across the business. Um, you know, there's probably another uh, 20% of the time is working with the executive team, make sure that that strategy is right. Uh, and then there's 50% of the time I'm looking at sort of M&A opportunities and how they will best fit into our, our business. So I've got a great job. You know, I mean, I don't mind having a chat and talking about my business because I'm really passionate about it and what it is that we're doing. And, you know, it's technology, so it's exciting and it's new. Uh, and I get to, you know, also fill it an, another ambition, which is to, you know, get involved in that M&A space. I've got a finance background, so... You know, I love analysing the numbers and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah. you know, I've got a great executive team that, that run the, I guess, the day-to-day part of the business for me and they've got a team underneath them, like I said, that, you know, assist them in in managing the business as well. So, look, it's, um, you know, it's a bit of fun. I sort of, uh, I certainly have had plenty of roles in the past, uh, but, you know, I guess as you get older and a little bit wiser, you you end to be <laughs> able to uh, critique the roles that, uh, that you want to do, not necessarily yeah. that you have to do. Exactly. So what about, um, let's let's go back to, say, mid-March when COVID really hit and hit hard. Um, yeah. how, how did that, um, if at all, um, impact the business that you run? Yeah, sure. I mean, look, it's um, from, a, from a customer perspective, we didn't see uh, a, a, real, a real drop-off in, um, in services straight away. We've seen a couple of corporates uh, that it might be US-based, pull back uh, some of the support or, or the MIT component. They might pull that back and run it from uh, from the US. Um, there's a you know, or they'll or they'll bring a service um, in-house. So that's sort of the larger corporates. Um, 
you know, obviously we've put put some services on hold for a couple of retail clients, uh, but predominantly everyone's kind of, um, you know, pushed through. I think, you know, and other clients have uh, have actually increased their capacity. Certainly, mm. you know, the corporates that law firms or accounting firms are working from home, they actually need more capacity on their cloud exactly. infrastructure, on their networks, yeah. mm. um, you know, rolling out um, uh, VPN access so that people can access that, that corporate environment securely, um, you know, setting up staff at home so that they can they can operate. So we were really busy, actually, uh, which which was good. Prepared, were um, you prepared for that? Could you do that at like sort of short notice? Um, yeah, I think. I mean, look, the team just puts in extra effort, which is fantastic, yeah, right? Good. I mean, it's um, you know, they're they're uh, very you know very customer focused, and um, you know, we just we just you know work with with clients to um, get, and, and clients were pretty you know they were, they were obviously understanding that. You know, we were inundated with uh, with calls with people trying to set up mm. home offices, and you know, my laptop won't print on my home computer, and you know, th- things like that. So, <laughs> you know, going outside of, I guess, the um, what the normal service would look like, but it was, you know, it was a normal time. So, um, so look, our business has been really robust. We've got um, a lot of our revenue is contracted uh, over, you know, sort of 75, 80% of our revenue is contracted. Uh, we haven't, you know, we sort of certainly went out back out to our staff and said, look. You know, your, your jobs are secure, you know, don't worry. Uh, you can do a combination of um, uh, working from home or coming into the office for essential service. So you can still come into the office if you, you know, you can't work at home. Um, and, you know, we've got, a, a, I guess, our COVID compliance is all set up for that. But, um, you know, it's, it's as I think as time was, has worn on for me, we've spent a lot of time, I guess, over the last couple of years rebuilding the culture. Uh, of our business and, you know, doing some fun things with our staff and, and making it a little bit more enjoyable and not just all about work. So, you know, when people aren't around and some people we haven't seen since March in, in Melbourne, um, you know, you really sort of, you know, you you, you, you kind of miss them and, um, you know, you're also a little bit worried about their own well-being, you know, stuck at home and, and working away. I know, I know when I work from home, it's, you know, you kind of start at seven and, you know, you, you look down at the clock and it's sort of six o'clock, seven o'clock at night, you know, and you sort of, it's Still just, going. you know, those hours just blow out. So, you know, really worried about our, um, concerned about our staff, certainly in, in Melbourne, obviously there's a lot more freedoms in um, in Sydney and Brisbane, yes. Adelaide and other yep. parts of the country. So, Did it, did it make you think as, uh, as leader of the business uh, about innovation and, you um, you thinking outside of the square to to stay relevant? Yeah, look, I think, um, look, we're a tech company, right? So we use Microsoft Teams. Uh, we do a lot of video calls. We're kind of used to that. Um, and, and I guess having so many offices around the country, we do, um, you know, a lot of that remote working or, or um, interaction over video yeah. Yeah. and, and um, you know, chats and all that sort of stuff. You know, we do a, uh, a fortnightly town hall where we where we um everyone logs in that can log in and you know we run some themes around um that you know just to 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 sort of spice it up a bit um you know so uh yeah i mean look it's we're we're sort of we're pretty we're pretty up there when it comes to the the tech and and how we operate i mean everything's in the cloud right so it's easy it's scalable um you know you do certainly you have some problems with um some employees might have a poor uh, broadband service at home, or obviously under these conditions, that, that you know those those uh, consumer networks get congested. You know, 
So you know there is some some issues around that, but um, look on the whole, it's been um, it's been pretty good. And you know really um, you know really thankful and, and grateful that we're in this space. You know certainly when I look around the the CBD and you you know you see the the food courts shut and the retail outlets shut, and you know I don't think we've had a haircut for you know three months. So lucky it's not a, a video <laughs> call, but you know so but you really feel for those um, those retail type businesses clubs and pubs and that sort of stuff, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd love to go into a, into a pub for a beer and, you know, have a steak sandwich or something. It'd be fantastic. You mentioned before about the NBN. That's um, that's a hot topic in Australia, no doubt. Yeah, yeah. Um, it it's been in the news, let's face it, for over a decade. Um, yep. No doubt you've got some thoughts on uh, the NBN. Um, now, without wanting to get too political, what, what, where do you see uh, the NBN uh, and, and how that's being rolled out. Yeah, look, I think it's, you know, it's a, it's a great asset. You know, I mean, fibre is going to be around forever. We're rolling out, you know, we've rolled out 35 kilometres of fibre. We're rolling out another 180. You know, at UECOM we rolled out, you know, this is, uh, what, 20 years ago, rolled out, you know, over 1,500 kilometres of fibre when I was there. So fibre and that infrastructure in the ground is is never going to wear out. It's never, you know, you always, the, the demand is only going to continue to, to rise, I guess it, um, it. I think it's a political topic because it's you know predominantly taxpayers' money. Although mm. you know they're certainly commercialising the uh, the business and you know whether they're getting it ready for for sale or not, who knows? But you know, I, I guess for me, it, it would have been good to see uh, a little bit more capacity going to the regional areas that then other managed service providers could sort of jump onto. So, give an example. If I'm in Melbourne, if they get a, did a high-speed link to, say, Bendigo and then the local MSP or, or network guy in Bendigo could roll out his own network and service that customer base, the prohibitive yeah. thing prior to MBN was the cost to backhaul that data from Bendigo back to Melbourne. So, you know, I'd like to see them open that up so that, you know, we can create more local competition and give these some of those local guys the opportunity to roll out a bit of their, their own network, whether it's wireless or or um, a copper network, something like that. But, look, um, you know, the, the MBN is, is you know, I guess it la- allows a level playing field for, you know, small operators and, and large operators to get access to the infrastructure um, and, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it's, it's expensive to roll out fibre. So, you know, no one would have made that investment, um, you know, if it wasn't sort of backed by the... Uh, backed by the government. So, look, I think it's, um, you know, I think it's good. Um, You know, I I imagine it'll go into, you know, wholesale Telstra and and NBN will get together at some stage. And what about the the rollout of uh, of 5G uh, by the telcos? How's that going? Yeah, look, um, I think it's exciting. I mean, there's a lot of hype. People sort of, I guess, when I look at it and I go, okay, well, I can watch Foxtel on my... um, on my iPhone, you know, I was watching a little bit of the NBA before. Mm. I'm watching on my iPhone on 4G. You know, what, what, what's the benefit of, of 5G? You know, I can't watch two two movies at once. <laughs> but, um, you know, it, it's uh, it certainly will open up. Um, so where I sort of really see it taking off with, you know, the data collection that we're doing with cameras everywhere, driverless cars, you know, all this um, collecting data for, for analytics and, and analysis, um, you know that's where it's going to be really where it's okay. really going to be significant. Yeah. You're going to see you're going to see these local 5G networks pop up where, say, a hospital, for argument's sake, 
uh, all the staff in the hospital might be able to access this this 5G network uh, while they're at the hospital. And that's a private network that, that has private hospital data on it. They've obviously got some sort of security uh, authentication, uh, but that service will be available when they're at the hospital. When they leave, then they'll go on to Telstra or whoever, but it'll be localised. So that might be, think of government, think of defence, even think of your own corporate business. Instead of having uh, Wi-Fi, you've now got your own little private 5G network. Everything's secure um, and only your staff or your authorised people uh, can access that network. So to me, it's, um, you know, think of it as um, I think Wi-Fi Wi-Fi on steroids for, for yep. corporates is where it's really going to play, you know, so if you can still get into that that Wi-Fi or that corporate network from, you know, two or three Ks away from from your office or or wherever you are. So look, we're well positioned. We're talking to some providers who do that small cell 5G service. Um, certainly our fibre network is all around the CBD. That's where the demand for 5G is going to be, you know, as, as everyone goes home or on weekends, you know, we leave in the metropolitan areas so that so that um, that demand is 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 um, spread out over those areas. Whereas, you know, back in pre-COVID, everyone would come to the CBD, and there was you know significant demand going on in the in the city. You know, during Monday to Friday when there was that um, you know high demand for services. So that's where it's really going to uh, going to explode. But I think um, you know certainly uh, even back with MBN, you know. MBN opening up into the regional areas allows corporates in those regional areas to move to Office 365, to move to the cloud and not hold their services on-premise. So bandwidth or access to high-speed internet connections or or, um, services allows for a whole lot of other things to to happen that we haven't thought of yet. So network and the access is the critical part. Uh, And then, you know, then the the cloud and the data centres and all the rest of it sort of uh, goes from that once you've got the network. Okay, final question. It's always hard to try to predict the future, especially after <laughs> the year we've had with uh, 2020. Um, what What are your key priorities for the next 12 months? Yeah, look, it's it's connecting up these data centres and um, putting fibre into CBD. So we're already starting to see that that um, you know, corporates are in a data center. When they move to a cloud, the cloud, they're moving to a data center. So they need to get from that data center to somewhere else to get access, you know, to some other content. They might might be Google or Amazon or Alibaba, whoever it is. They might want to connect directly to Netflix, for argument's sake. Those providers uh, sit main hubs sit in these large data centers. So we're rolling out to eighty in in Australia. I think there's a total of sort of ninety or hundred in Australia all up. So we're connecting up most of those data centres and that will be uh, that will be fantastic. It'll be, we'll be able to leverage our data centre space and we'll be able to sell capacity on that network. And that, you know, that's going to be a real growth area that, um, you know, that I see over the next, the next 12 months. Data, data demand is not going away. It's only, um, it's only increasing. Gaming in Australia is really starting to um, take off. That's going to be a huge market. And we're going to see more streaming media organisations um, appear. That's that's going crazy as well. Well, we wish you all the very best. Joe DeMace, CEO of 5G Networks, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you.